It's May the 20th. Let's read the Bible. Welcome back, friends, to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. Back in January, we hopped on the Bible bus, and here we are, nearing the end of the month of May. We're in the book of 1 Kings. We're reading the story of Solomon. Get back to that in just a minute, but I want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, it it means so much. This is such a big project. And one of this, I was thinking about this the other day, that, uh, you know, sometimes in life, if you knew how hard something would be, maybe you wouldn't do it. I'm really glad to get into this, but I must tell you, health-wise and voice-wise and strength-wise, it has been, uh, it's been a bigger challenge than I expected. So thank you so much for praying for us. And thank you also for sharing with your friends. I got a note from someone who said that she said, I am sharing your daily Bible reading with the friend who has cancer. What a blessing. Someone else said they're sharing it with their children and with their grandchildren. And I think it's a wonderful thing to watch these videos as a family and then come together to discuss what we have been reading together. All right, then. Today, we are in 1 Kings chapters 10, 11, and 12. Ah, Solomon, here's the mystery of this man. What a king. I mean, in his day, built the great temple and the palace and uh, all those other buildings. I mean, he was a great builder. He strengthened the nation, and he had enormous peace. And God gave him wisdom like nobody before him had ever had, and nobody after him would ever have, and yet, and yet, man, he he really made some dumb mistakes at the end of his reign and kind of go, if you have all that wisdom, why would you do that? So we'll talk about that maybe at the end. Let's just start to read and we'll get the story. The first part's encouraging the story of the visit of the Queen of Sheba. First Kings 10, the Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon's fame, connected with the name of the Lord, and came to test him with difficult questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very large entourage with camels bearing spices, gold in great abundance, and precious stones. She came to Solomon and spoke to him about everything that was on her mind. So Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too difficult for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba observed all of Solomon's wisdom, the palaces he had built, the food at his table, the servants, residences, attendants, service, and their attire, his cupbearers, and all the burnt offerings he offered at the Lord's temple, it took her breath away. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your words and about your wisdom is true, but I didn't believe the reports until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, I was not even told half. Your wisdom and prosperity far exceed the report I heard. How happy are your men. How happy are these servants of yours who always stand in your presence hearing your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God. He delighted in you and put you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king to carry out justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king four and a half tons of gold, a great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again did such a quantity of spices arise, arrive as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In addition, Hiram's fleet that carried gold from Ophir brought from Ophir a large quantity of almug wood and precious stones. The king made the almug wood into steps for the Lord's temple and the king's palace and into lyres and harps for the singers. Never again 
Never before did such almugwood arrive, and the like has not been seen again. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba her every desire, whatever she asked, besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty. Then she, along with her servants, returned to her own country. The weight of gold that came to Solomon annually was 25 tons, besides what came from merchants, traders, merchandise, and all the Arabian kings and governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 15 pounds of gold went into each shield. He made 300 small shields of hammered gold. Nearly 4 pounds of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a large ivory throne and overlaid it with fine gold. The throne had six steps. There was a rounded top at the back of the throne, armrests on either side of the seat, and two lions standing beside the armrest. Twelve lions were standing there on the six steps, one at each end. Nothing like it had ever been made in any other kingdom. All of King Solomon's drinking cups were gold, and all the utensils of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. There was no silver since it was considered as nothing in Solomon's time, for the king had ships of Tarshish at sea with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years, the ships of Tarshish would arrive bearing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the world in riches and in wisdom. The whole world wanted an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Every man would bring his annual tribute, items of silver and gold, clothing, weapons, spices, and horses, and mules. Solomon accumulated 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen and stationed them in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar as abundant as sycamore in the Judean foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and Qa. The king's traders brought them from Qa at the going price. A chariot was imported from Egypt for 15 pounds of silver and a horse for four pounds. In the same way, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and to the kings of Aram through their agents. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. That, uh, and I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, all of that that they had. But at one point it says, you know, they, they brought all the stuff, including apes and peacocks. That was an amazing time to be alive. God bless Solomon so many ways. Now, here's the rest of the story. First Kings 11, King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. and They must not intermarry with you because they will turn your heart away to follow their gods. To these women, Solomon was deeply attached in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 who were concubines, and they turned his heart away. When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God, as his father David had been. Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and unlike his father David, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. At that time, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abhorrent idol of Moab, and for Milcom, 
the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites on, on the hill across from Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives who were burning incense and offering sacrifices to their gods. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had commanded him about this so he would not follow other gods, but Solomon did not do what the Lord had commanded. Then the Lord said to Solomon, since you have done this and did not keep my covenant and my statutes, which I commanded you, I will tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. However, I will not do it during your lifetime for the sake of your father, David. I will tear it out of your son's hand. Yet I will not tear the entire kingdom away from him. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I chose. So the Lord raised up Hadad the Edomite as an enemy against Solomon. He was of the royal family of Edom. Earlier, when David was in Edom, Joab, the commander of the army, had gone to bury the dead and had struck down every male in Edom. For Joab and all Israel had remained there six months until he had killed every male in Edom. Hadad fled to Egypt along with some Edomites from his father's servants. At the time, Hadad was a small boy. Hadad and his men set out from Midian and went to Paran. They took men with them from Paran and went to Egypt, to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave Hadad a house, ordered that he be given food, and gave him land. Pharaoh liked Hadad so much that he gave him a wife, the sister of his own wife, Queen Topanese. Topanese's sister gave birth to Hadad's son, Ginubath. Topanese herself weaned him in Pharaoh's palace, and Ginubath lived there along with Pharaoh's sons. When Hadad heard in Egypt that David rested with his ancestors and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me leave so I may go back to my own country. But Pharaoh asked him, What do you lack here with me for you to want to go back to your own country? Nothing, he replied, but please let me leave. God raised up Rezon, son of Eliada, as an enemy against Solomon. Rezon had fled from his master king Hadadezer of Zobah and gathered men to himself. He became leader of a raiding party when David killed the Zo Zobahites. He went to Damascus, lived there, and became king in Damascus. Rezon was Israel's enemy throughout Solomon's reign, adding to the trouble Hadad had caused. He reigned over Aram and loathed Israel. Now, Solomon's servant, Jeroboam, son of Nebat, was an Ephraimite from Zeradah. His widowed mother's name was Zeruah. Jeroboam rebelled against Solomon, and this is the reason he rebelled against the king. Solomon had built the supporting terraces and repaired the opening of the wall of the city of his father David. Now, the man Jeroboam was capable, and Solomon noticed the young man because he was getting things done. So he appointed him over the entire labor force of the house of Joseph. During that time, the prophet Ahijah, this Shilonite, met Jeroboam on the road as Jeroboam came out of Jerusalem. Now, Ahijah had wrapped himself with a new cloak, and the two of them were alone in the open field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he had on, tore it into twelve pieces, and said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces for yourself, but this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I am about to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I will give you ten tribes, but one tribe will remain his for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city I chose out of all the tribes of Israel. For they have abandoned me. They have bowed down to Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, to Chemosh, the god of Moab, and to Milcom, the god of the Ammonites. They have not walked in my ways to do what is right in my sight and to carry out my statutes and my judgments as his father David did. However, I will not take the whole kingdom from him, but will let him be ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David 
whom I chose and who kept my commandments, my commands and my statutes. I will take ten tribes of the kingdom from his son and give them to you. I will give one tribe to his son so that my servant David will always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem. The city I chose for myself to put my name there. I will appoint you and you will reign as king over all you want and you will be king over Israel. After that, if you obey all I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight in order to keep my statutes and my commands as my servant David did, I will be with you. I will build you a lasting dynasty just as I built for David and I will give you Israel. I will humble David's descendants because of their unfaithfulness, but not forever. Therefore, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but he fled to Egypt, to King Shashak of Egypt, where he remained until Solomon's death. The rest of the events of Solomon's reign, along with all his accomplishments and his wisdom, are written in the book of Solomon's events. The length of Solomon's reign in Jerusalem over all Israel totaled 40 years. Solomon rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of his father David. His son Rehoboam became king in his place. 1 Kings 12, Solomon's dead. There's trouble ahead. What's going to happen now? Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard about it, he stayed in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon's presence. Jeroboam stayed in Egypt, but they summoned him. And Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke harsh. You therefore lighten your father's harsh service and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam replied, Go away for three days and then return to me. So the people left. Then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who served his father Solomon when he was alive, asking, How do you advise me to respond to this people? They replied, Today, if you will be a servant to this people and serve them, and if you respond to them by speaking kind words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice of the elders who had advised him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him and attended him. He asked them, what message do you advise that we send back to this people who said to me, Light the load your father put on us? The young men who'd grown up with him told him, This is what you should say to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it light on us. This is what you should tell them. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Although my father burdens you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with barbed whips. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king had ordered, return to me on the third day. Then the king answered the people harshly. He rejected the advice the elders had given him and spoke to them according to the young men's advice. My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with barbed whips. The king did not listen to the people because this turn of events came from the Lord to carry out his word, which the Lord had spoken through Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam son of Nebat. When all Israel saw that the king had not listened to them, the people answered him, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Israel, return to your tents. David, now look after your own house. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the Israelites living in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of forced labor, but all Israel stoned him to death. King Rehoboam managed to get into the chariot and flee to Jerusalem. 
Israel is still in rebellion against the house of David today. When all Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back, they summoned him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. No one followed the house of David except the tribe of Judah alone. When Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mobilized 180,000 fit young soldiers from the entire house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, to the whole house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says, you are not to march up and fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Each of you return home, for this situation is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went back according to the word of the Lord. Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. From there he went out and built Penuel. Jeroboam said to himself, the kingdom might now return to the house of David. These people regularly go to offer sacrifices in the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. The heart of these people will return to their Lord, King Rehoboam of Judah. They will kill me and go back to the king of Judah. So the king sought advice. Then he made two golden calves, and he said to the people, going to Jerusalem is too difficult for you. Israel, here are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set one in Bethel and put the other in Dan. This led to sin. The people walked in procession before one of the calves all the way to Dan. Jeroboam also made shrines on the high places and made priests from the ranks of the people who were not Levites. Jeroboam made a festival in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month, like the festival in Judah. He offered sacrifices on the altar. He made this offering in Bethel to sacrifice to the calves he had made. He also stationed the priests in Bethel for the high places he had made. He offered sacrifices on the altar he had set up in Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month. He chose this month on his own. He made a festival for the Israelites, offered sacrifices on the altar, and burned incense. There's a little bit of a mystery here. In this sense, we're told one point this was from the Lord. God intended it. It's part of his judgment. Is this God's ideal? that the nation, the great nation of Israel, should now be split to the north and the south, Israel and Judah, ten tribes and two tribes. No, it wasn't God's ideal. But now, but now that Rehoboam listened to his buddies instead of the elder advisors, when he decided to make it even harder than Solomon had made it, foolishly, guaranteeing there'd be a split, but God was behind it. He's going to bring judgment on his people. And this it's a disciplinary judgment because they have turned away from him. Where did this all start? Just think about it, Solomon. He asked for wisdom and discretion. This wise man, amazingly blessed. Oh, man. He had, he had, he had everything. That, that Queen of Sheba story. I mean, she represents the, the kingdoms of the world coming and being bringing tribute to Solomon. Solomon, what a great man. And yet, these foreign women turned his hearts and turned his heart away from God. Reminds me of uh, the words of Bill Gates. 
founder of Microsoft. Success is a lousy teacher. It makes smart men think they can do no wrong. For everyone who can endure success, there are 50 who can endure affliction. Success is hard to bear. It makes us confident. It makes us cocky. It makes us lazy. In affliction, if we learn from it, it turns our heart to God. Now, the whole nation is going to learn the hard way. Let us then be warned. Sometimes reading the Bible, we should just be warned. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take anything for granted. Be thoughtful today. Be careful. Be circumspect. Go out and serve the Lord and have a great day. But let us be careful to give God the glory, to give him honor in everything. We are nothing without him. Well, there's a lot more to come in this story. There's an, and coming down the road is King Ahab, and after him we're going to get to the great prophet Elijah. So go out and have a great day. Be careful to serve the Lord. Come back tomorrow. We'll do this again.